What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Marshall Time, episode 31. How's it going, bro? What's up, bro? What's going on? I'm feeling good. How are you? Can't complain. So we're going to start this off. First off, I mean, it's been a few days into this week since we last chatted. So we're going to start off first. Just some things that uh, caught your eye, maybe some headlines, some highlights, some, some performances. I wrote down a couple of things throughout the last couple of days that I definitely want to just talk a little bit about, especially last night's games. But uh, what are some things that, that have caught your eyes this week? Man, something that's caught my eyes over the past, you know, few days, man, um, is the women's basketball game in general, like from high school to college. Just a big shout out to them, man. You know, for years, you know, women's basketball, you know, hasn't gotten as much love as men. And, you know, it could be for different reasons, but these girls have been hooping, man. Um, you got Caitlin Clark. Big shout out to her. She just declared for the draft today. She's going to be exciting to watch in the pros. But, you know, she's been breaking records. Um, She broke the NCAA three-point record. She broke the Big Ten record. Um, for points, she's doing her thing, man. Um, Juju Watkins, I'm gonna just read her little stat line for the last eight games: thirty points, three blocks, three steals. Then she had a forty-two point game with four steals, eighteen point game with eleven rebounds. Then she had thirty-three points, eight assists, four steals, thirty-two point seven assists, four blocks, thirty-one point seven rebounds, twenty-nine points, four steals, fifty-one points, eleven rebounds. That's her last eight games at USA, and she's hooping. She's killing it. Then we go to the high school level. Um, Kiana Christmas, she had a quint, quint, quintuple double, right? 11 points, 20 rebounds, 11 assists, 10 steals, 10 blocks. I don't care what level of basketball, little league, pro, college, high school, rec league, whatever. Quintuple double is crazy. Boys or girls. That is insane. So just shout out to the women's women's basketball game. I, mean, I love the way that they're evolving. Um, I, I'm, I'm somebody that uh, – like personally, I haven't watched a lot of women's basketball, right? I don't, you know, I don't sit down and watch a lot of women's basketball. But when March Madness comes, I do. I, I like to watch it because those games get intense, and I'll definitely be tuned in more now. And uh, when Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, you know, those those women get to the WNBA, I definitely want to start watching them too, man, because that game is evolving. It seems like it's going to be exciting to watch in the future. Yeah, shout out to Caitlin Clark. I'm excited to see how she translates to the WNBA. I think she's going to be amazing for that league when it comes to just extra, even more added attention with her style of play. But Juju Watkins is is special. Like you just see how she moves. Like there was a lot of attention if you follow the high school recruiting game and the girls' side of things in high school ball. You knew there was a lot of attention with her coming to USC and what she did in high school. But just how she moves, like just the way she goes about playing the game, it's so fluid. Nice size. She has the handle. She's just a natural. The game just seems to come too easy. It just comes really easy for her. Like you, you watch some players and the way they play just comes natural to them. You know she works on her game, but there's just a solid foundation. Whatever she did, I don't know if her parents hooped. or I'm the, You know there was elite training when she was a kid because now just as a freshman, the fundamental skills, just how she moves out there on the floor, the moves that she's doing, it's something to see. And so I'm excited to see what she does two years from now in the college game. And then when she makes that leap to be a pro, but that we, we've talked about it before, the evolution of the girls game over the years. When I was in high school, when I covered um, girls basketball, you know, as a newspaper reporter, when I still see girls basketball now on a day to day, just seeing the just within the past 10 years, how much has grown. Like you see the drills that they're doing when they're playing pickup ball against guys. Now it's just, they're picking up the skill. The skill level is picking up at a rapid pace. And we're seeing the skill level with it used to be the, the shorter players had the skill. Right. But now we're seeing more and more players, six feet, 
six one, five ten, five eleven that have these guard skills now. And so it's exciting to see. So that's that's definitely a good look. I want to give a quick shout out to Raheem Mars. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the NFL real quick. The NFL combine is this week. I appreciate the honesty. A lot of times when these coaches talk, these GMs talk, these scouts talk, they don't they they, they give us a lot of BS. They don't want to they don't want to keep it honest to, to the media and to the public and the fans. But he said, uh, if we had better quarterback play last year in Atlanta, I might not be standing here. I appreciate that because we all know anybody who can see what the, the Falcons did last year. Desmond Ritter is not it was never going to be it. And you're fooling yourself if you don't think the Falcons aren't getting a new quarterback. There's rumors that they may trade for Justin Fields. But I just appreciate the honesty from Raheem Morris saying, look, our quarterback play was trash. <laughs> we got to get it done. We got to make a change. And so. That's a positive. If I'm a Falcons fan, I appreciate the honesty. If I'm Desmond Ritter, it is what it is. It's a business. It is what it is. You'll be okay. <laughs> so last night's NBA games, obviously the big, the big conversation is the Clippers folding against the Lakers. LeBron had a huge, huge game, 34 points, six boards, eight assists. Also, I want to talk about the Bulls beating the Cavs. Andre Drummond with 26 rebounds. When it comes to the Cavs, to me, the biggest question mark I'm always going to have is that front court. I can't forget about last year against the Knicks, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. They just got outplayed by Mitchell Robinson and the Knicks. Like, they didn't show up. Like, they're tall, but as far as a presence at the rim, I'm not seeing it. I don't see the toughness enough from those two guys, especially in Evan Mobley. And Jared Allen last year said the lights were too bright. Was it Jared Allen who said that? Let me double check. Yeah, he said, said the bright, he said the lights were too bright. And so I'm hearing you say that. I can't. Yeah, I'm going to have reservation in my mind, especially if you play a, a Knicks team again in the playoffs. Like, I just can't. As great as the Cavs have been playing, and I like their roster makeup. I like what each guy brings to the table. Too many question marks for me when it comes to that front court, man. You can't be saying the lights are too bright. And a year later, I trust, expect me to trust, to trust you in the same situation. So I got to see it to believe it when it comes to the Cavaliers. I just, I just don't buy it. Pacers beat the Pelicans. I want to have a Pelicans conversation one day soon about, you know, the future of that franchise and if if the Zion, Brandon Ingram kind of combination is the answer for that franchise. We'll, we can go into it, into that for another show. But just 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 want to put that out there as a nugget, like something we'll talk about in the future. And also my guy, Robbie Avila, Avila Indiana State, put up 35-8-5 last night. They call him Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> I've sent you clips of him since the beginning of the year when I first caught him on Twitter. And ever since then, I've just been paying attention, man. If you've seen him play, I like to call him baby, baby Joker of the college game, just the way he plays. You look at his body, he's about six. How tall is he? 6'10". Yeah. yeah, he's 6'10". He's a sophomore, 6'10", in Indiana State, putting up 17, 7, and 4. But when you watch his game, you see his body. He doesn't, he doesn't jump out at you, right? He's not athletic. He's not fast. He can't jump. But he's getting buckets. He's like a classic... YMCA, LA Fitness type of dude that can just go to work. And so when it comes to March Madness, a name to watch for and a guy that I'm rooting for to have like a big tournament run, it's Robbie Avila. So those, those are the things that um, have stood out to me the last couple of days. Yeah, it's funny. I have a uh, I have a friend that's a Cavs fan, man, and we, we go back and forth about the Sixers and Cavs all the time. And that's what I hold on. I'm like, bro, your starting center told me the lights were too bright. I will never believe in you guys as long as he's on the roster. <laughs> so, hey, man, that's just how I feel. But, hey, shout out to the Cavs, though. Max Struess had a crazy uh, fourth quarter performance. He checked the other night. What was that, Tuesday, I think? 
They were playing it was, against, it was against the Mavs, against the Mavs. Mavs, man, he had a crazy fourth quarter. He hit a half-court buzzer beater. That was insane, man. Um, I know all my guys who had the Mavericks winning on their, their bets. I know that hurts your heart. But, um, yeah, that was tough. That was tough. Yeah, you, you can't you – can't, look, you can't say that the lights are too bright. Even, even if you feel that way, certain things you just don't say. Like, Most you just can't – because you know you're going to get cooked. You know you're going to get cooked in every, every playoff run – when the Cavs, when that playoff exit happens, if it happens earlier than expected, you know what's going to happen, especially if you don't produce. That clip is going to be replayed and replayed and replayed. He's just giving fans and, and, and media just ammo, more ammo. You just, yeah, certain things you just can't say. And we talked about this too. I don't get what's up with players uh, giving, giving these quotes to the media. Like you're giving Twitter a lot of ammo, man. I could see the memes already. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. I know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. All right, so one of the bigger things when it comes to the league this year, some of, one of the big headlines is Bronny James, son of LeBron James, of course, being moved from – I had to do a double look when I saw it – from a 2024 first-rounder to a 2025 second-round pick, according to ESPN's mock draft. And LeBron James has something to say. I'm going to pull it up here on my computer. This is what he says. This is his whole tweet, by the way, which he has deleted. I don't know if you knew that. He deleted this tweet, by the way. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even know about this. Because when I saw the headline, I was like, let me double check. So I searched, you know, you search, you can search his Twitter to see if I didn't see it. I read an article, it says that he deleted it. So um, it says, can y'all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? The work and results will ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to do. If you don't, if y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He just works, earn, not given. And to all the other kids out there striving to be great, keep your head down, blinders on, and keep grinding. These mock drafts doesn't matter one bit. I promise you, only the work matters. Let's talk real basketball people. Everything he says is good. I know he's a, being a parent, but here's the issue. You can't on one hand say, Bronny can play in the league right now, but Bronny can contribute to the Lakers right now when you have teammates who have been pros for years and have proven themselves that's kind of disrespectful for a kid who's just getting his feet wet in the college level and who's not tearing the college level up at all. Actually, USC is just horrible as a team, right? And you can't even make an impact on that team. And so it's disrespectful on one hand to say that your son, who isn't a star on his USC team, can contribute to an NBA team right now, number one. And on the flip side, say – my son doesn't care about the mock draft. Let him be a kid. Well, your son hasn't. Honestly, your son hasn't said anything. Your son isn't putting any spotlight on himself. I don't see him as like a flashy person or a flashy player, right? All the attention is coming from LeBron saying, I want to play with my son. And now you're seeing these rumors and headlines about teams angling, trying to draft Bronny to try to lure LeBron to them. This is all pressure and attention coming from LeBron, right? So for me, LeBron is always, hey, listen, Nothing to do with who he is as a player, as a person. But sometimes he says some things that I, I got a side eye. Like he recently said he's not one to uh, want attention when he talks about having a farewell tour. Well, LeBron, you're the one that said you're the chosen one. You're the one that puts a crown on your head every, every game, right? To it, me, that's it, drawing it, attention. He had the decision to go to Miami. You had a decision to go to Miami. Like what, what, are we, what are we talking about here? Your whole career has been nothing but attention that you're drawing to yourself. <laughs> and so this is another one right here. You're bringing attention not only to yourself, but to your son. 
You got to understand the media, the mock draft, this isn't anything new. You were a part of it. This is a yearly thing that the media and these scouts do to project certain prospects. It is what it is. The game is the game. And so I have a problem with what, what LeBron says, what LeBron said, and then he doubled, he didn't double down. He actually deleted the tweet. So if you're going to say something like that, stand on it. Don't delete it, right? If you really truly believe this, why are we deleting it? That's my thought. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And it's more so about um, just standing on what he said because what he said is true. Like, in reality, most of the times, mock drafts do not matter. Like, we've seen so many guys not get drafted that high and have become, you know, the best players in the league. Like, Giannis wasn't a top 10 pick. Kawhi wasn't a top pick. Jokic was a second-round pick, right? So, I mean – when you just look at these things, he's right. Mock drafts really don't matter because at the end of the day, the goal is to get to the league and then prove yourself. That's the ultimate goal. So he's right about that. Um, but like you said, he he should have stood on it. He should have never deleted it. Two, he, he sounds hypocritical because he was, he was the one saying, oh, he could play for the Lakers right now, like you said. So it's kind of like you, you say you don't want to care about mock drafts. You don't just let the kid enjoy playing college. Well, let him do that. Don't say things like he could play in the NBA right now. Even if, even if you're, if you, even if you believe that, as you should, you're his father. Um, you don't have to put that spotlight on him. It's the same thing that, uh, that that the ball, that the ball father did, right? We saw it's the same thing he did, and we saw how that panned out. Like Lonzo, Lonzo, he he's a solid player, but he's not what he was supposed to be. Lamelo's a he's a good player, but he has his flaws. Angelo's not even in the league. You know what I mean? He hyped them all three of them to be up like the next the next superstars of the league. So sometimes the pressure is just unwanted, man. And players look at that stuff too. Like when you get to the league, I know players, you know, it's, it's a little it's a battery in their back. Like, oh, they hype this young guy up thinking he's about to be this and that. All right, we're gonna show him. You know what I mean? So he's just putting unnecessary attention. And Bron should know that better than anybody because he he had haters on his team before he came to the Cavs, right? So he should know that better than anybody. So that's my only thing with that, but he does have a point, though. He has a, he has a valid point in that tweet. I wish he didn't delete it. Yeah, it's like, look, if you're being you – look, you're being a dad, you're being protective of your son, keep the tweet up there, right? You know, but it's like the end of the day, when you're putting that attention on your son, you got to be ready to face the consequences that come with that. Like, you got teammates that are going to be looking at that a certain way when you say he can come on the Lakers right now and contribute. Like, how does that look, right? It's disrespectful. Um and look, you can have your thoughts on Bronny as a prospect. When we're talking strictly basketball, it's a sensitive topic when it comes to Bronny because who his dad is, right? And so I think there's no room for a middle ground. If you criticize him as though you're being a hater, if you praise him too much, it's like, well, you just, you know, you hyping up LeBron, you're a LeBron fan. That's all it is. For me, I'm looking at Bronny as a regular prospect. I don't care what his name is. When I saw him being projected as a first-round pick, I wasn't quite sold totally. Just from what I – look, I didn't scout his high school games. I can only go off of what I've seen in limited video, right, in the clips that I've seen. I didn't see, like, a lottery talent, right? I didn't see a super – like, he's athletic, but the athleticism isn't I'm not seeing John Wall High School, you know, ball is life mixtape type of talent, right? We, we know when it jumps out at you, we know what it is. I'm seeing comparisons to like Drew Holiday, which is fine. Drew Holiday is a 
and what he does, he's a great player. But the media game, the mock draft game, what these teams are trying to do when it comes to try to align themselves up with Bronny to get LeBron, it just doesn't, I don't know, I look at it kind of funny. And now to see him drop from a first rounder to a second rounder next year, it's like, okay, now can we properly reassess who Bronny is as a player? He had the heart condition too. Let's not forget about that. So there's a lot of things that fall into this. And so whether he goes into the draft this year or not, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if he did, honestly. Um, I just want people to have a measured level of expectation here. You know, he's 6'3", I believe. He hasn't shown a great ability to be a creator right now on a USC team. He's averaging, last time I checked, five points a game for a not-so-good USC squad, right? So I just want people to have a measured level of uh, analysis and expectation. That's my only thing when it comes to Bronny. I'm not sure what you've seen or your thoughts on who he might be as an NBA player because I don't, I don't know. I don't see an all-star. That's just, that's just no, a fact. It's, it's, it's just not jumping out at us right now. That's what it really comes down to. I mean, let's look at the facts. The facts are he's on a USC team who's terrible, and he's not even a top player on that team. That's the facts. So when you look at it like that, you ask yourself, what is he good at? Okay, he's a good passer. He's a good defender. And he's an okay shooter. But he's not like – he's not – excellent at any of those you know what i mean it's not like mm -hmm. like when lonzo was in college right we knew that he was an excellent passer like best passer in the country we knew that he could shoot the college three even though his you know his college three was even though his uh, form was a little you know it was a little wacky we know he could shoot the ball um with Bronny, it's like he doesn't create his own shot and the the impact that he has on that ufc team isn't like enough for them to win you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's like He's doing little things, and little things are important. But I feel like at the college level, you have to be so – you have to stand out. Like when we watch these college – especially now because the college game, there's a lot of players like Bronny James. There's a lot of Bronny Jameses in college. They just don't have his name. That's the that's the biggest thing with me. If, Bron, if, if Bronny James didn't have that name, who is he right now? Are we even talking about him getting drafted, right? I, I watched a guy like Miles Powell at Seton Hall still for years, right? And I don't even know if Powell got drafted. And if he did get drafted, it was very late, yeah. like in the spring. So what are we really talking about here? That's that's my whole thing with that. And I'm not here to say he'll never be good. I'm not here to kill the kid. I'm just – that's just the facts. The facts are yeah. there's a lot of Bronny Jameses in college right now. They just don't have LeBron as their dad. That's the fact. So, yeah, I mean, the, the name the name has a major part – the name has a major part to do with it. It's just it, – it is what it is. Like – talk about the college game right now I think that most people heard of more about Bronny James than a Reed Shepard at Kentucky entering this season right Reed is a killer you put you, you give Reed Shepard the Bronny James name Reed Shepard is the number one pick in the draft right I mean let's just keep it real in a supposedly weak draft which we'll talk about you know what I mean and so it's just the politics of the draft the draft game the name game GM's trying to figure out if they can get LeBron to come to their franchise if they pick up a Bronny, which I think is nasty work. I just I wouldn't sacrifice a first round pick to get LeBron James. I just wouldn't do it. I just don't think it's I don't think that's going to ensure you a championship at this point, right? Like, if, just think about this: if you're 
Why would you waste a first-round pick on Bronny James to get LeBron at LeBron's stage of his career, who's still a great player, but we're seeing what LeBron is doing with an Anthony Davis, and they're still a playing team right now in the Western Conference. So what's the upside here? You draft LeBron James in the first round. He turns out to be, let's say, a serviceable starter, right? That's his ceiling. Let's say that. Then what? You got LeBron for a couple more years. You're going to sell out tickets. You're going to, to me, if a team does that, it's all about the business out of it. It's not about yeah. basketball because any competent basketball mind is not sacrificing a first round pick just to get LeBron James at 40. Like it just, it, it doesn't make, it, it makes no sense to me. Um, do you see Bronny entering the draft this year? Um, I think it's 50 50 right now because part of it is like, he he knows that he's going to get drafted, so why not? But at the same time, LeBron might say to him, "Hey, what about you stay another year? Let's get better." But at the same time, we you know LeBron's goal is to play with his son, so why would he not want that to make you know happen soon as possible? Um, if I had to bet on it, I'd say he's coming out just because it's like we know he's going to get drafted, right? He's going to get drafted regardless. But he could stay and still be cool because of that NI, you know, the NIL money and the fact oh, that yeah. Brock there anyway. So um I think he's gonna come out just because why why wouldn't you come out? You know what I mean? So here's the thing, it's not a money issue for Bronny. Right. <laughs> right. Your dad's LeBron James, you good. Like you're 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 straight. Um if he is a second round pick this year, why let's say the Lakers pick him up in the second round, boom, LeBron, stay here in LA. You got Bronny in the second round. We'll, we'll develop Bronny. I can see that being a situation. Um, but I'm with you. I think it's 50-50. I, if I had to say right now, it's tough because I know LeBron and playing, playing you know, with Bronny and being in the league at the same time is, is a huge deal for him. And so you never know. Nothing's promised, right? We, anything can happen. And so I can see that being a determinant factor when it comes to Bronny making that decision. And so we'll see. Maybe he has a huge – you know, next couple of games come come conference tournament time. I don't know. Like it's just basketball wise, talking strictly basketball, he shouldn't. But once again, this is a personal family situation and, and something that they want to accomplish. And so who who's to say they shouldn't do it, right? And so I'm 50-50. I wouldn't be shocked if he does enter the draft though. Um speaking of the draft, leads me to our, our next conversation. Um it was something I saw on Twitter, Jonathan Giovanni, who does the draft, um, who covers the draft and prospects, tweeted out something pretty much, pretty much how NBA teams have, have already given up on most of the draft picks over the last few years. And I've, I've been hearing conversations from other NBA players, former NBA players, just about how teams develop and teams evaluate. And, and the consensus is what I've been feeling for a while now. Most of these teams have no idea what they're doing when it comes to evaluating talent and developing talent. And so when I hear about the class of 2024 being a weak class, I kind of, I really don't buy into that because how do you define a weak class, right? Because there's talent every year all on the board from the first round to the undrafted level. I don't think it's a weak class. I think if anything, scouts and GMs and front office types are lazy 
They don't know what they're looking at and they don't even know where they're trying to build. And so years like these, when there isn't a Zion, when there isn't a Ja, a Vic, you know, a Brandon Miller, a Scoot Henderson, when it isn't so clear cut, I think this really exposes who doesn't know what they're doing, who's really not been putting in the work, who really has no clue on what they're doing and trying to build a team. So there's going to be great talent in this year's class. Can you spot them out? But also, can you develop them and put them in the right positions to do so? I have more to say, but I, that's just my introductory thoughts. But yeah, just your thoughts on just the overall evaluation process of these teams and quote unquote, the class of 2024 draft being being weak. Um, I feel like the whole talent evaluation process in the NBA is messed up solely because teams look too much at potential. And I get it. I understand it's the draft, right? You're, you're investing a high pick into a player. So you want to make sure that he has the most potential possible to be, you know, a star in this league, right? And that's fine. But what are the things we're looking at, right? I feel like most teams, they look at athleticism more than anything, especially today's game. And it's just not um, – it's not good. Because when you get to the NBA, everybody's athletic. And if they're not athletic, they're highly skilled, right? But I'd rather have a guy that's skilled than athletic. Like, I look back to the 2018 draft, right? I watched a guy like Jalen Brunson go in the second round. Now, I'm a Villanova fan, right? I watched Jalen Brunson become a champion with Villanova. I watched him command the offense, a Jay Wright offense, one of the best coaches. I watched him command it, right? I watched him make big shots. I watched him make big plays. And then I turn around, that draft comes, right? You look back at the draft, a guy like Marvin Bagley went number two, right, who played at Duke. That's cool. But what did he do at the college level? You know what I mean? We we, we got a guy like Mo Bamba. <laughs> Mo Bamba I was going to bring him up. Sorry. Mo Bamba went number six, right? And, I, and I'm going to be real. At the time, I was I didn't think Jalen Brunson – I knew he would be a good player. I didn't think he would be this good in the NBA. And that's because I was blinded by the whole – Oh, he's short. He's not that fast. He's not that, you know, he's not that athletic. But, bro, he performed in the biggest moments. He's highly skilled and he has high IQ. And his dad was an NBA player. Those are four traits that you cannot take away from, from a player. You can keep the athleticism. I've seen enough. I've seen it. I seen Michael Kidd Gilchrist when I was younger. His jump shot was terrible. But guess what? They took him high because, you know, he's tall. He's, he's lanky. He can run. He can jump. Where's his skill at? That's the that's the number one problem with evaluating talent now, and I and I think it's starting to shift because I feel like um more overseas players are starting to get taken and they're they're starting to get projected, and I feel like teams are starting to see that you know, the game here today, the players coming up today, a lot of it a lot of this stuff that they're being taught is just based off their athleticism. They're not being taught basic fundamentals, right? Footwork, you know what I mean? How to read a defense, how to play good help defense. Little things like that, just the little nuances of the game are left out because we see a guy 6'10 being able to run up and down the court and catch alley-oops and putbacks and all this crazy stuff. And that's fun. That's good for the highlights, but that doesn't win you championships. Hmm. We saw Nikola Jokic, who's arguably the best player in the league right now, and he's still dominating to this day. He doesn't, he's not, he's not, he's not athletic at all, but he's highly skilled and highly intelligent. 
give me give me 10 Nikola Jokic's before these athletic guys that we're talking about right now. So it, it just I laugh at most teams because for every struggling team, you can pinpoint, well, this is why you're bad. Oh, you drafted such and such at this spot and such and such was still on the board. Exhibit A, right? 2020. Number seven, Detroit Pistons. You drafted Killian Hayes. And if you remember, if you don't go back, whoever, you know, whoever's listening, there was a lot of pre-draft hype on Killian Hayes. I didn't understand it because I would watch his highlights. And I'm like, huh? I've seen some comparisons to James Harden. And it was just, it was ridiculous and nasty pre-draft agenda. I didn't understand where it was coming from. But I was like, all right, some team's going to get fooled and draft Killian Hayes. That same year, 2020, they let Tyrese Maxey slide down the number 21 to our, our own Philadelphia 76ers. Emmanuel Quigley went 25th. Desmond Bain went 30th. But Killian Hayes went number seven. And what, what, what upsets me and what makes me laugh and not respect most NBA teams when it comes to their evaluation is that you have the resources to scout these guys. You can go overseas and go to their games. You can talk to their coaches. You can see them work out. You can see them have these one-on-one -on -one competitions in the pre-draft process, and you still get it wrong. When I can sit on my couch, all I need is two minutes to let you know if a player can hoop or if he's worth the hype. I need a one, no, 30 seconds of Killian Hayes and said, uh, he's, he's, he's cool, but I'm not picking him top 10. Patrick Williams with number four in that class. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Patrick Williams. You can do a Google if you don't. Start, does he even start on the board? I don't, I don't even know. Bro, <laughs> Patrick Williams went fourth in the 2020 draft class. Let me double check. Make sure I ain't tripping. I wrote it down. No, he did. He did because I'm looking at it right now. Because I got another name. Went, I, I, you might bring wait. it up. <laughs> Aaron Neesmith went 14th. Aaron Neesmith's a solid player for Indiana. He's not Tyrese Maxey. I just don't get it when you... The first time I saw Tyrese Maxey hoop at Kentucky, I said, I, I want him to be on the Sixers. Like, I want the Sixers to get him. But I was like, there's no way we're going to get him. Like, we're too low in the draft. There's no way we're going to slide. He's going to slide down to our spot at 21. There's just no way. And it happened. I didn't think Miami would buy it. I thought Miami was going to get him right before us. I was upset. I was like, no, there's no way Miami. They never get this wrong. Miami's going to pick him up. They let Therese Maxey slide to 21. He's a Kentucky guard. Let me, let me give you a pro tip. More often than not, Kentucky guard is going to be solid. At, at worst, you got Malik Monk. Facts. But let's, all right, let's break that down, though, right? Let's, let's compare it before the NBA. Let's compare them. Patrick Williams' makeup is a 6'8 forward who can score the ball. Tyrese Maxey, they looked at him as a small guard who is fast, but he can't shoot. But let's look at what happened in college, right? Patrick Williams, he did he did produce on Florida State. Don't get me wrong. But Max, mm -hmm. he played for, like you said, he played. He was a Kentucky guard under Coach K, who has produced NBA stars every single year. So they're looking at potential, right? I'd rather go mm -hmm. with the player that came from a, a school of pedigree, a coach of pedigree, than a guy just because he's 6'8". You know what I mean? And I'm not going to say he, he – like he was say he hooped at college. 
but I don't I don't remember how good Florida State was that year. I don't think they were like a, a crazy dominant team. Like, you know what I mean? I'd rather go with the guy from Kentucky, personally. And this crazy this one's with six eight. That's what I'm saying. They're looking at the they think everybody's gonna be a Paul George, right? That's what the, that's what the NBA thinks. Everybody's gonna be a Paul George, KD, Brian. They they're looking for that six eight, six ten, six nine mold. And it's it's just it's it's okay. Not everybody's gonna be that, man. And now you're stuck with Patrick Williams, who doesn't even – he's not a, he's not even a focal point on the team. Looking at – I'm because I think I, I vividly I, – I, I kind of remember glimpses of Patrick Williams at Florida State. I'm just watching some highlights just to see what Chicago could have saw. I'm looking at his stats. Um, he, he's athletic. Right. But as far as creation ability and fluidity with the ball and really getting a bucket, I don't see it. You, you want to know how much um, he averaged at Florida State? How much did he average? In his one season, he averaged nine points a game. That's not going to get it done. Nine points, four nine points. You're six eight, so we'll give you we'll give you number four pick. That's what they did with that one. You're six eight, but you're not cooking like a Brandon Miller was at Alabama. So so what are we so what are we so what are we doing here? Um. And speaking about Kentucky guards, what I've learned and what, what I've seen, they usually show more when they get to the pros. Devin Booker, nobody thought Devin Booker would be the Devin Booker that we have today because he didn't show everything at Kentucky. The same with a Jamal Murray, the same with SGA, which I'm going to bring up in another draft class. 2018, you mentioned Mo Bamba. Look, I remember Mo Bamba at Texas. He wasn't a lottery pick. It was giving me it was giving me a shame to beat just a big guy, no offensive skill to speak of, no solid foundational pieces. The footwork wasn't like Joel Embiid at Kansas. I'm like, wow, like Mo Bamba was drafted one spot behind Trey Young. Hey, even let's even look at that. Trey Young was they were disrespecting Trey Young, too. I said, look at that. They were disrespecting Trey Young, too. Right. Trey Young was the small guy who was a jack. That's that. That was his thing. Oh, oh, he won't. He won't get this off in the NBA. That was his thing. Hmm. What pick was Trey Young? What was he six? He was the fifth pick. It was DeAndre and Marvin Bagley, Luca, Jaron right, so Jackson, Trey Young. I'm I'm taking I'm taking Trey Young over all of those guys except Luca. Who do you, you said? Aiton, Bagley, Luca. Aiton was number one. And then him, right? Yeah, yeah I'm Trey taking, Young. So I'm taking all of him over those guys except Luca. But let's look at what Trey Young's thing was, right? They're looking at him as a small guard who's who might be a jack, and he doesn't play D. That's what they're looking at. Now, do you look at Jaron Jackson, who's a who's a fine defender, but his game is limited? They're looking at Jaron Jackson as the ultimate uh, big man who he's like the new age big man, right? Play D. He's lights out from three, and he's a solid three point shooter, but he's not. He's not Trey, like as far as impact on a on a court, he's not better than Trey. So that's just my problem. You look at, I mean, it happens every year, right? Check out 2022. Number nine pick, San Antonio, Jeremy Sohan. Who they've tried to at the start of the year, they tried to make him a point guard, which which was which was horrible. They, 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 he has no idea what he's doing with the rock when it comes to feeding the big fella Wimby. But at number 12, OKC, Jalen Williams. Imagine if San Antonio has a Jalen Williams with a Vic 
and all those young guys. The Wizards picked Johnny Davis at number 10. And that same year, Alfred Sengun went 16th, Cam Thomas 27. Herb Jones went 35th. Herb Jones should, be, should have been a first-round pick that year. Um, this past draft, the biggest one is Hami Hakez Jr. Going number 18 to Miami. Once again, a guy who stayed in college at UCLA, put in work, was proven to be, that he can get a bucket, but he wasn't super athletic. He wasn't super, like, he doesn't stand out, right? He's not doing these flashy things, but he knows how to get a bucket. And once again, he's a rookie on Miami, and what is he doing? He's getting buckets. And so a lot of times, like Miami, a team like Miami, it's like, yo, no matter where they're picking, you're letting these guys fall to them. And even the undrafted guys they scoop up, these are guys that you have intel on, you can see. But yet Miami somehow figures out a Duncan Robinson, a Max Struess. You know what I mean? Like, this happens every year. And so don't tell me. I don't hear any excuses about why you can't get it done. When I see a Miami getting it done year in, year out, I see an OKC getting it done. They're building something special over there, right? So for me, it's like, what are you looking at when it comes to a player? Can he get a bucket? Can he create? Is he used to creating it for himself and others under pressure situations? Does he have a solid foundation when it comes to footwork? These are things that when it comes to evaluating talent, that should be the basis. Like, I can teach how to tighten the handle up. I can work on the jumper. What is the foundational work there? I look at a Reed Shepard, who I think teams are going to overthink this year. They're going to overthink it. This is a guy, Kentucky guard, by the way. I love Rob Dillingham, too. He's, he's, he's going to be exciting. But Rob, uh, Reed Shepard had a big game the other night against Mississippi State. Gets to his spots. A smooth game. He can shoot it. He can create. Has nice size. But you know what the knock is going to be. He's not super tall. He's not super athletic. He's not blown by anybody. That was the same kind of reservations about Jalen Brunson, right? And so these are the things that when I look at a player like Reed Shepard or Hami Hawkins or Jalen Brunson, guys who haven't been athletic their whole life, they've been used to having to find creative ways to score. And they're used to that whether it's adjusting to the high school level, to the college level, to the pro level, they've always had to adjust to the quicker, more athletic players. So why would it stop now, right? And so if a guy like Reed Shepard, they're going to overthink it. Have you seen Don yeah. Connect from Tennessee? going to overthink that, so he's a He had he's 39 last night. Well, actually, I mean, I saw some muck jerseys. He's projected to go, like, top five, I believe. I believe it when I see it. I just right. don't know. He's 22. That's thing, too. They hold that age. Hey, perfect example of that. And you know what I'm about to say, Zaire Smith and Mikel Bridges. <laughs> we literally, we literally drafted Mikel Bridges, traded him for Zaire Smith, and our our reasoning was we believe they're the same type player. Zaire Smith is just younger, and we can get an extra pick out of it. I watched they put that highlight tape on. All I saw that man do was run and dunk and catch alley oops. I didn't see no shot creation. I didn't see no threes. Like I said, I'm a Villanova fan. I watched Mikel mm. be a primary scorer for us off the dribble in high-pressure situations. Mm -hmm. We're talking about national championship games, mm -hmm. Final Four, Elite Eight, all of that, Big East Conference, all of that. And you're telling me you're going to take a guy because he's athletic and he can play D like Mikel and he's younger? What, what what part of the game is that? That doesn't even make sense. Give me the guy that's better. 
And even though Mikel, you know, he's an older player, yes, he's older now. But if you're looking at the way these guys are still lasting in the NBA, these guys are playing until their their late thirties and they're still being productive. Mikel mm. could be that same way. Mm. And Mikel is better than most of the guys that I've seen get drafted over the past few years. That's just the reality. Same with Brunson. Yeah. The age thing is bogus to me because it's like Zaire Smith, it's not like he's just this this phenom who you can build your team around, right? We're not, this is not Brandon Miller. This is not Scoot Henderson. This is not Vic we're talking about. These are not, this is not a phenom that we've seen lighted up at Texas Tech. I watched Texas Tech basketball that year because they were a really good team. They made, they made a nice run in the tourney. I don't recall Zaire Smith making plays. And then you watch the highlights. He was a runner. He was a jumper. That was it. There was no basketball skill whatsoever. So what is the foundation that we're building on? Another point, like, and this is maybe a lesser, a lesser situation because the Sixers, man, they just pissed me off. That year, you had three chances to pick a Nova guy. You had Mikel Bridges, you trade him. You could have had DiVincenzo. You could have had Brunson. You passed over all three Villanova guys. Remember Isaiah Joe? If you just watched him as a Sixer, you thought he was just a jump shooter. I tuned in to OKC games last year. He's putting the ball on the floor. He's going up for dunks. His confidence is sky high, and he's doing it again this year. That's a lot. Of, it's, he's a baller. That's a lot of ballers in the league. The evaluation was there for the Sixers. They got that. They got that right. But the development was off. The patience wasn't there. So these guys are talented more often than not. But it's do you know how to use them? Do you know the full scope of their game? Are you building their confidence? When I see Miami Heat players. No matter who it is, one thing that stands out to me is they're confident. Like Duncan Robinson, Max Struess. We saw Gabe Vincent last year. It's just something about that heat, energy, and what they do and that infrastructure. Jami Haquez this year, he's playing like a vet. But these guys are confident. They build their guys up, and they develop them. And I think that's missing more often than not for a lot of these franchises. And so when you look at these bad teams and what's wrong with them, you can talk about coaching. But for me, it's like... Okay, Chicago, you drafted Patrick Williams, number four. I don't have to talk to you anymore. Detroit, you drafted Killian Hayes, number seven. Uh, years, this is years ago now at this point. But Memphis, you drafted a scene to beat number two before James Harden. <laughs> so miss me with the coaching issues. Miss me with whatever excuse you want to make. Let's look at your draft history. Show me a successful team, and I'll show you a successful draft history. Who won the championship last year? The Nuggets. They found Joker in the second round. Jamal Murray. They took a chance on Michael Porter Jr. When nobody didn't want to because he had the, the physical. And when he was healthy, he was the best player in his class. But they allowed him to slide to Denver. Joke's on us. That's, that's yeah. just my own. And it's going to be interesting, man, because we know March Madness is coming up. It's going to be interesting to see how many players kill it in, in pressure pack moments, right? Crucial moments. How many show that at the end of the game they can get a bucket on their own and teams are still going to gloss over them because of the the, the six eight guy who, mm-hmm. who's fast and can jump and run. And that's going to be the funny part. And I'm going to be looking at yeah. my screen laughing when they pull up this guy's clip and he, all he's doing is dunking. He's not, he's no bad. Yeah. No, it's no I mean, looking at the, just 
This is just gonna be looking at the mock drafts now. I'm gonna have you I saw, seen the mock draft on NBADraft.net. It's gonna be a lot of mm-hmm. European guys that most of us haven't really no, seen. I'm play fine with it. I'm fine with as it. far as it's I'm fine with it. Um but a Reed Shepard at Kentucky, a Rob Dillingham at Kentucky, a, a Dalton Connect at Tennessee, Devin Carter at Providence. If you haven't watched him play, like he can go. And so I think there's going to be a lot of college guys who get overlooked in this draft who are going to be great value picks and additions to teams that really know what they're doing and, and are actually um, building something. I'm actually interested. We talked about Robbie Avila before the show started. Like, I'm actually interested to see, like, man, you look at his game, he has NBA, he has an NBA skill set, just doesn't look the part. The packaging isn't there. But it's like, man, you see what a Yoon is doing in Houston – but most teams don't have that mindset. They don't have the creativity on how to like, how can I use them? What but can what, he, what can thing, he do? The one thing how that's in his I, favor is it's a copycat league, right? The team saw how Jokic uh-huh. is killing. Somebody will take a chance on him. People, teams see how Sengun is doing. Teams are going to take a chance on him. Somebody yeah. will take a chance on him. I hope so. I'm ex- I mean, I want to see it, but you take a chance on him, but right. actually give him a right. chance. Don't just bury him on the bench in the first minute. Because he's, he's going to have to adjust to the speed. and like he's gonna, for, for any rookie, it's going to take time to adjust. But let him find his way into the league and find his, his, his rhythm. Just give him a chance. Um, another, another question, the big fella from Purdue, um, Zach Eady. My thoughts on him haven't changed from last year to this year. He was the player of the year last year, I believe. And he came back to Purdue, putting up big numbers again. I mean, he's a seven-footer. He's huge. Nobody's going to stop you at this level. I just don't see. I'm trying to envision the impact that it'll have at the next level. Um, because you can dominate the college game right now, but the way the NBA game is now, what's your place? And I don't see a team, if I'm going to spend a lottery pick on you, you got to be a guy that I'm going to build my team around, especially if you're that size. Like you got to be a core piece. Which team is going to utilize him as a core piece in today's game? I just, I don't see it. I'm not, I'm not really into the Zach Eady being a lottery. Yeah, that's, man, that's, most mock drafts don't have him it. going like top five. Um, the reality is, this type of big yeah. man is just out of style in the league. If you're going to be that tall, you got to be, you know, multi-talented. And you know, we know what his game is. He's a post guy. You know, he's using his size as he should. But in the NBA, you need more than that now. So, especially at center. So that's just the reality for him. I saw he hit his first three pointer this year, though. Shout out to him. Yeah, he did. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah, he's working, but working he on the range. He's only like two or three. He hasn't okay. taken any. So. Okay. All right. Hey, shout out to him. We'll see what happens. Oh, GG Jackson's another one. Uh, this past draft, second round pick. There was a lot of talks about his maturity level at South Carolina, but he was 17 as a freshman, and he still put up respectable numbers. And teams let him slide to the Grizzlies number 45. What, what do the Grizzlies do? They evaluated it, and then they developed him. <laughs> and now the opportunity came to show and prove, and what is he doing? Their other player, uh, Vince, yeah. Vince Williams. What he's done, right? Was he even drafted? I think he was undrafted. He was 
pick so 47 in the 2022 NBA draft. And all I see is a guy who just, he's a hooper. He's going to defend. He can handle it. He has great vision. He can score it. You let him slide to the second round, almost undrafted. So, yeah, I don't want to hear any excuses from these, from these NBA teams about your coaches. Whatever the case may be, you're in the small market. I don't care. Like, there's players out there. This is, a, this is a huge world. There's players everywhere. We're seeing what the Heat are doing. We're seeing what the Thunder are doing. We're seeing what the Grizzlies are doing with Jackson and Williams. You're just trash at evaluating and developing talent. That's just what it is. Until you get competent people in these front offices, it's going to continue to be that way. The Sixers give me hope. Ricky Council. I like, I like that. That's a great evaluation. But now what are you going to do to develop? We'll see. You messed up with Isaiah Joe. We'll see what happens with Ricky Council and, and Trey Smith too. We'll see what happens with him too. Like there's there's an NBA hooper there. I feel like it's all it's, just, it's funny to me because the so, Blue Coats are always one of the best G League teams, but we never can translate that onto the roster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I well, our previous coach didn't really vibe with younger players, so I think with Nick Nurse, he's actually a, a newer. Newer, newer age coaching in his thinking and giving young guys a chance. And so I'm excited about that prospect. But most of these front offices are horrible. You don't know what you're doing. You have all the, the technology and the resources to scout these guys and develop these guys. But you're horrible every year. So Detroit, you can blame Monty Williams. But also, you drafted Killian Hayes, number seven, when you could have had Tyrese Maxey. And don't tell me hindsight is 2020 when I, I watched Kentucky basketball that year. I said Tyrese Maxey's a guy the Sixers need, but there's no way we're going to get. And lo and behold, he's an all-star. Sorry. No excuse. <laughs> Any final no, thoughts, man? Bro? Just, um, you know, just looking forward to the rest of the NBA season. Looking forward to March Madness on the women's and men's side. Uh, you know, these is, you know, the weather's about to start getting nice, man. Make sure y'all get out there, play some pickup ball, watch some good ball, and just, you know, just keep vibing. This is the best time of the year as a, as a hooper, as a hoop fan. March Madness is coming up, so we got the brackets. Obviously, we should do a little bracket challenge for the show. That'd be dope. And also, the NBA playoffs is teams are gearing up, trying to trying to rev up things. And so, uh, I'm excited to see what happens for the Eastern Conference. Obviously, with Joel Embiid, is he going to come back? He spoke today. The hope is that he comes back. We'll see. I'm not getting my hopes up. This team is bad without Joel Embiid. And um, I'm excited for the Tobias era, Tobias Harris era to end. <laughs> People are trying finally what I've been saying for the last few years. People are finally coming to grips as a, I think Sixers fans as a whole now are coming together on Tobias Harris. He's he's it's, he's it's cooked. It's done. It's over. So we'll see in the West. The West should be fun too, coming down the stretch as well. The, the play in in the Western Conference is going to be crazy, but we still got some games to play. We'll see what happens. Thank you for guys for watching. Like us on YouTube. Social media, Apple Podcasts. See y'all next week.